Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. Over 20 years ago, I co-founded my company with a creative spark, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a fearless attitude. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's, the initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order, and yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. Miley Pacheco is the founder of Be Glammed, an on-demand hair and makeup service that comes to you with professional hair and makeup artists, and she's made the booking process incredibly easy. Since she started in 2014, the company has already grown to be in over 28 cities. One of the things that I've found incredibly interesting is that Be Glam positions themselves not only as a beauty company, but as a tech company as well, which we're excited to discuss with Miley today. But first, we're going to introduce you to today's co-host, and that is Morgan Anderson. Morgan is a certified makeup artist and esthetician who shares the same passion as Miley to make people feel beautiful and confident. So hi, Morgan. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Awesome. Well, we're really happy to have you. And since you are obviously in the same industry, we thought you'd be a great fit for obvious reasons. Thank you. I love that. Tell me, what are you really looking to learn from Miley today? So like you said, we share similar passions. Um, I love the fact that she has the freelance artist in mind. Um, I think it's really amazing how she took an idea and made it a reality. So you want to learn how she took that spark of an idea and and made it something huge and big. Yes. Awesome. Well, she'll be here in a few minutes, and I'm excited to learn from her, and I'm sure you are too. Yes. Okay, great. Miley, I am so excited you're here today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you know, I um, saw you speak on a panel and your energy just jumped off the stage. And as soon as I saw you, I thought, this girl has to be on my podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Well, my nickname is Smiley Miley, so. (laughs) For a good reason. (laughs) When I do these podcasts, I do a pre-interview and I ask you to tell me what one of your greatest accomplishments were. And I just, I have to say, I loved your answer because it was so selfless. You wrote, that you you know wanted to provide sustainable income and a pipeline of work for the beauty freelance community and inspire new entrepreneurs to turn their dreams into reality. And so I wanted to hear a little bit about why that was so important to you and why that was your mission. Sure. So as a, a freelancer myself, as a makeup artist, I know the struggle of trying to build your clientele and sitting on this amazing skill set but nobody knows it and not having the right tools to to go out and get new work and it's I realized it wasn't just me and it, it goes across to all industries and there's some very talented people out there who just don't have the visibility to get themselves work and they're struggling out there and the starving artist term is so real in any industry and I just felt that creating Be Glammed and everything that I do is to help those people who were like me who just struggled to find the pipeline of work 
but were really great at what they did and people loved them and loved their work and wanted to continue working with them. Um, it's hard to marry the art and the commerce aspect of the business and I find that to be true with a lot of creatives and growing up like I've, I witnessed my mom go in and out of work because she was so good at what she did but she struggled with the corporate environment and some of the regulations and policies and and she was so smart, and it was just hard to watch her throughout my whole life constantly go through work. And I just kind of felt she needed control of her work life. And back then, there wasn't on-demand apps and independent contractor-based businesses to allow that. So growing up and now being an entrepreneur, I'm just happy to be someone who can help create that pipeline for other people. Yeah, I think you touched on something that's really important for anybody who's listening who's creative. A lot of creative people have these incredible skills and they are passionate about their craft and what they do and they're so talented. But, you know, adding the level of stress to find work and get the next job, you know, oftentimes is hard. And, you know, you don't want to focus on that. So mm-hmm. what you've done is created kind of a pipeline for people, almost like the Uber of hair and makeup, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it comes to you, it's easy, and it's just a win-win for everybody. So it's really incredible what you've done. Thank you. So Miley, one of the other facts that I found really interesting is that you're not only a beauty company, but you're a tech company. Can you expand on what that means a bit? Sure. I think it's easy to categorize Be Glammed as a beauty company because, I mean, glam is in the name, and many of our competitors also have glam in their name, and we're all categorized as beauty companies. And I feel that we've got the beauty part down, but we at heart are a technology company. And without the technology platform, we wouldn't be able to have the Be Glammed app. And with some recent changes, we're actually pivoting more into the technology field. And on a daily basis, I'm seeing articles come out about big beauty brands who are now pivoting also in technology and the amount of revenue that they're generating and how they're interacting with their customers and their clients. And Be Glammed is going to be right up there with them, if not partnering with them, but along the same theme that we're seeing and the trends that are changing in the beauty industry. So there's a lot of conversation and a lot of buzz around fusing beauty and tech. And it's great to be one of the innovators in the space who's who's leading that. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've done is you've taken an industry and you've kind of taken it to the next level with what the potential is and what it can do. So again, a huge accomplishment. Thank you. So before we get into too much about your company, I want to hear about your childhood when you were uh, growing up, what that was like. So tell us um, about that time. Sure. So I moved around a lot as a kid. And um, when when you're a kid, you hate it. You're always the new kid in school. You can't keep friends for very long. And back then, of course, there wasn't Instagram or email that you can easily communicate through and the information is fast. Um, So it wasn't great. But what I did learn growing up is how to be adaptive and adapting to new situations and just learning to pick up the pieces and move on. You don't have a choice when you're a kid, so you just have to do it. And now growing up, it's really... um, it's helped me become more adaptive in the workplace. And big, big thing for me is if you're adaptable in the workplace, whether you're the boss or you're um, working under a team, you will succeed quicker than the next person because you have to be agile. And business is always changing. And so that was one thing that I took away from my childhood was just to move with the cheese and roll with the punches and still voice your concerns 
but also um, to be adaptive. And where are you originally from? I'm originally from Waimea. It is a very, very small town on the big island of Hawaii. We had one school there that was kindergarten through 12th grade. I think we had one stoplight in the whole town, maybe two grocery stores at most. Um, and as a kid, I would tell my family that I was going to move to Hollywood and that I was going to be a supermodel. And I had all these aspirations to be in the industry. And um, so many things happened in life, and it was just a total dream. And somehow it manifested its way. I'm not a supermodel. I'm happy not to be at all. Actually, like being on the other side of the camera, um, but still living in Hollywood. And it's just crazy how that manifested itself. And the dream died several times and then came back to life. And uh, it's just really cool to be here in a big city if you look back at where I came from. Do you still have roots in Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, my family's still back home. And um, I grew up dancing hula and Tahitian my, almost my whole life. So even being away from the islands, I still was very grounded in, in my culture. And my name is Hawaiian too, so I just feel like if you... If I stuck close to my roots somehow, some way, that I would still feel connected to where I'm originally from, even despite being moved around a lot. Awesome. Well, you might have to give us a little hula lesson at the end of this. Because <laughs> it's, been, it's been a few years. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> Amazing. So would you consider yourself, um, when you were growing up, were you a creative child? Oh, yeah. I was the kid in the corner drawing, sketching. I loved Barbie dolls growing up. And I have four sisters. So as you can imagine, the amount of dolls and toys we had. And, um, you know, we got the dolls and then we couldn't always afford to buy new shoes and clothes and everything else that they came with. So I taught myself how to sew at a really young age and I was making Barbie clothes. <laughs> and I also pretended I had a hair salon and I would cut their hair and dye their hair with markers and things like that, which was really fun. But I was absolutely the creative kid. Like with all of my sisters, we could be all in the same room, but I was the one in the corner just kind of like creating. Yep. Focused on, on whatever it was I was creating at that moment. Were your parents supportive of your creativity? Yeah, I think both my parents were, are, they are very, very creative themselves. Um, my dad is a culinary chef and he's always had kind of that art background. And one thing that we kind of grew up around is independence. Like my parents never put any of us in a box and said, no, don't do that. Don't chase those dreams. They just kind of <laughs> allowed us to have these uh, aspirational dreams and always supported us. And what did you dream of being when you grew up? Uh, it, that dream changed so many times. Like I said, I wanted to go into Hollywood. I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. When I was in middle school, I wanted to be a cell biologist because I loved bi the biology and the makeup of cells. Um, that quickly died down after I realized the amount of work that went into that. Um, a cell <laughs> biologist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is a common trend that I'm seeing. I've interviewed a few creative folks. And if you listen to my interview, I also thought there was a minute where I was going to be a medical doctor. And somehow I reverted <laughs> right back to being a creative director. But I love that everyone has this moment of like, wait, I have to do something a little bit more serious. And mm -hmm. maybe this creative thing is um, something that's more of a passion or a side gig, but always like who you are and what's true kind of you know, shines through. Yeah, and I'm glad I grew out of that stage, the cell biologist stage. This, what I'm doing today seems a lot more exciting. <laughs> and it suits you very well. <laughs> so I also understand that you were very involved in team sports as a child. And what lessons did that carry forward for you? So there's this one book that I love reading that was um, referred to me, and it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And as I was reading through this book, it talks about uh, structures within the workplace and how everyone kind of treats themselves as they're on their own island within their departments or individually. And there's a common reference throughout the entire book and it's 
team sports. And I didn't realize it at the time until I dove into this book that all of my experiences in being on a team and playing team sports came full circle in the workplace too. Because it's not just about you. And you've heard, I've, there's no I in team. Of course. But there's a me in team, which can be misconstrued to think you might be the strongest person on the team. But I've just always been in an environment where, whether it was with my sisters or being on a team with sports, that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And everybody needs to work together for a common goal and objective. And if you don't have the experiences in working on a team or even playing a team sport, I see it in the workplace. And I see how some members of the team struggle to, to either fit in or assert themselves or um, buy into what the overall objective is. And um, although it seems silly, like, oh, you didn't play team sports, therefore you don't understand this in the workplace, it actually does kind of have a lot to do with each other. Yeah, I mean, I think um, as somebody who also leads a company, you know, I have learned that it's so important to surround yourself with incredibly smart people. And I try to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. I always say that. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> yeah, you can't be scared of that. And mm -hmm. I think there are people out there that are worried that if someone is smarter than you or bolder or stronger, that it's going to make you feel weak. And mm -hmm. I actually feel the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, I get really excited when people on my team have a skill set or do something that I can't do because number one, I want to learn from them. But number two, it makes the company better. And if your you know, real goal is to create something great and it's not so self-centered, I think that's where the magic happens. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. What was one of your first sparks where you knew that you wanted to do something kind of bigger and better? Like how did the idea come to you? So we can take it back to when I was working in a corporate setting and Oftentimes, if you're in corporate, you might feel like you're stuck or you're just part of the overall goal and you're a pawn on the chessboard. Um, and that, that's easy to, to feel that way, and, and that's why it's a corporate structure. They find people that fit into their strategy. I was fortunate enough to work for a really great company that was open to new ideas and hearing it from the people who worked with the brand. And I had been working with this company for about four years, and I just had a spark. And that spark was I, I noticed that there was a gap in their marketing plan. What kind of company was it? It was a cosmetic company. It was Matt Cosmetics. Okay. I'd worked with them for almost eight years. And what was your role there? I had every role in retail from a stock person in the back of the store to then cashier and then key holder, then manager of the store. And so you really started from the bottom. Oh, yeah. I was taking out trash and cleaning makeup brushes for the artists out there selling. Although it helped me learn all of the back end stuff that was happening in the front. And um, if you know Mac, you know they don't just put anybody on that floor. You're trained, you're vetted, um, and this was almost 15 years ago at this point. So so you had to work up to that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. It was about a year before they finally put a brush belt on me and put me on the floor. Um, and I'd worked as a cashier and stock person. But the, what I learned from that one year was invaluable. And um, before the interview, you had said, you know, who are some of the people that have helped you grow? And, and there's been several, but one in particular who noticed that spark in me and four years later came back around to give me an opportunity to help me grow within the brand. 
So um, she was a higher up at Mac. She was an executive at the company, and she was in a unique position herself where her office was based out of the Beverly Hills store that I was working in at the time. And most of the corporate executives work at the corporate headquarters in El Segundo or in New York or Canada. Um, but she was based in our store. And at 18 years old, I was exposed to everything she was doing. And I just thought, this is what I want to do. With no experience in the industry, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I would tell her, like, I'm going to be your assistant one day. And um, the department was very small. There is really no room for growth within that department. And four years later, they wanted to expand it. And she and I was living in Vegas at the time. And she and another corporate executive came out to Vegas to meet me and say, hey, we have this role. So she remembered the impact and how hard you worked. And she like came and kind of sought you out Mm -hmm. and recruited you to be on her team. Yep. Four years later. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't work with her for the full four years. It was only that first year and I moved away. So the impact that you made on her, even though your position at the time wasn't really, you know, a high position. It was the lowest. I was the stock person. (laughs) But she saw something in you. She (laughs) saw your drive. She saw how hard you worked. She saw how passionate you were. And that's that. those were qualities that were important to her. And that's why she yeah. came back to you. Yeah, and I think part of that also was me vocalizing to her that I wanted to be a part of her department and that this is a, a goal of mine. And it, even if it was aspirational at the time, like, wouldn't it be really cool if... And four years later, a role was opened for it. And she remembered me four years later at that. And that's the, huge. The, I think there was close to 30 or 40 people that had expressed interest in the role. And these people were were also either executives or high-level management. And she came back around to me for... And I still had an interview and put together an action plan and pitch it to corporate even after they had you know given me the hint that this was coming about but I had to still work for it and at the end like I was able to still get the position and and grow it with them so it was really cool to see that but had I not expressed to her early on how interested I was in her department I don't think she would have come back to me because she I would have been overlooked and I don't think she would have known that I was interested well hopefully there are some um you know younger people that are in your life that you see that same spark in and that you're going to do the same thing oh yeah I mean I see it a lot with our makeup artists. Some of them had started with us just uh, with a couple of years of experience, had never worked with any influencers or in the industry or red carpet or any of that. And and I saw the spark in them and started providing them with specific gigs that I knew that they would love and they'd be really great at. And now they're working with celebrity clients three, four years later. So it's just really cool to see that come full circle. Yeah. So you really believe in helping other women succeed. Uh, That's how I got my start. And I believe in that through and through. So I learned that um, in your later teen years, um, you hit quite a big snag. You found out that you had some health issues. Can you tell us about that time? Yeah, sure. So while I was actually in high school, I started having some health issues. And when you're a teenager, you don't you don't know what's irregular or not normal, especially when you're not talking to other people to know that that's not happening to them. Um, but I had always had issues with eating certain types of foods or when I was under a lot of pressure, just getting really sick. And when I was um, about 18, I had my first episode where I was hospitalized. My body was breaking down on me. I literally felt like I was dying. 
recovered from that, still had some issues throughout the years. And then in my seventh year in working with Mac, I hit a wall and just got really, really, really sick. I had to take significant of time off of work, um, leave of absence. And after two years of testing, I was finally diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disease that targets your digestive system. And um, for anybody else who has an autoimmune, it could be uh, fibromyalgia, it could be um, endometriosis, multiple sclerosis. We have all similar symptoms, and there's days that I felt like I just couldn't get out of bed. I remember one day my face was so swollen with histamines, and I actually went to work to talk to my boss and tell her, like, look at this, I can't do this anymore. And she drove me to the hospital that day, and she said, you need to take time off. Like, this is you've been dealing with this for too long. Um, so it did, t- it did take a while um, for the diagnosis, but ultimately it caused me to leave my, my corporate job. And, um, and then I became an entrepreneur from that. So what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, that must have been a really difficult time because you are somebody who's incredibly driven and, you know, very goal oriented. And so you had to take time to kind of focus on yourself. But I understand that once you got your diagnosis, you felt relieved. Yeah, yeah. Because you knew what was going on mm-hmm. and now you knew what to do about it. Yeah, treatment is everything. And if you don't know what to treat, it's just a shot in the dark. And I remembered with my doctor who um, for 30 years had been practicing in Beverly Hills, very accredited. He was at his wit's end. He's like, I can't figure out what's wrong with you. We were testing out different medications and I don't react very well to prescription meds. And it was just, it was prolonging my flare up. And I was so sick for eight months. I was sick and pretty much bedridden. And during those eight months, it was, it was a really hard time in my life. And I was also starting Be Glammed and also trying to hide it from my investors that I was sick because I didn't want them to have any doubts in me at all. Um, but then once I, once I finally realized what it was, it just was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And then looking into how to treat it and how to manage it, it just, it really changed my life. You know, I'm incredibly, like I have chills right now just because I'm so inspired. Like you came across something so hard in your life and you rose above and you still started this incredible company and you've made it. I mean, Wow. I mean, a lot of people would have just given up and said, you know what, I have to deal with my health issues. I yeah, can't deal with this. Yeah, I definitely had those thoughts. Like, what am I doing? Am I literally killing myself? Um, but at that time, I had already gone too far. I had investors already. The company had already launched. We were already taking care of clients and putting providers to work. So I, at that point, I, I couldn't go back. I couldn't retract in my shell. So um, I appreciate that. It's nice to be acknowledged for that and just and just get affirmation that you know, it was the right thing to do to keep moving forward. So let's talk about the big shift now. So you have finally, um, you know, gotten this in check and you've been able to manage it. And you said that at this time you were starting to get investors. The idea was kind of taking off. How do you take an idea like that and turn it into a reality and get investors? It takes a lot of diligence. And I have to say that early on, I had somebody working with me who was really diligent in getting it off the ground quickly. And also recognizing that I was sick at the time, just was like, this is what needs to be get done. This is, And there was no stopping at all. And the idea came about while I was at dinner and um, this friend was expressing how frustrated she was with finding uh, beauty professionals to come to her when she was traveling. And I had just used a ride-sharing app for the first time that night and just thought, okay, somebody needs to create this, but for hair and makeup. 
And three months later, the company was up and running. Two months after the idea came about, I had investors who had put money into it. So it was it was kind of a dream. Like I look back and were the investors <laughs> friends, family, or was it a corporation that you like? Who? Uh, it was a mutual friend that the same friend that I was at dinner with who introduced me to these investors. Didn't know them from Adam. Never met with them before. I had no idea how to go out and pitch to investors. They whatsoever. just kind of met you and believed in your idea and kind of. My reputation helped, so they knew I had um, a pretty strong hold on the beauty industry and almost a decade of experience and working with a corporate company. So the strategy, um, allocating and managing budgets, all of that came with um, them like expecting me to be able to operate and run the company. Um, so that helped, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs rely on just the idea for them to get an investment, but your background really helps to validate why an investor would put money into you. Yeah, and you just said something else that I think is really important. Um, you know, don't underestimate how people value your reputation, and people will do their homework. They will check up on you, and they will, you know, they want to find out if you're someone who's hardworking, someone who's loyal, someone who, you know, follows through. So the fact that you had a good reputation probably really played a, fa- a factor in them deciding yeah. to invest. And and with these investors, they understood the business model. Um, one of my main investors, David Kiger, he has a business that he had sold for lots and lots of money, but it was based around franchises. So he looked at the Be Glam model, similar as like, okay, we can get the national footprint down, we can grow and scale the company. So he understood the business model and the structure and knew how we could grow the company, which was everything in that time, because that's what I was looking to my investors for, was that strategy for growth, as they were looking to me for being the subject matter expert in the industry and knowing how to attract the talent that we needed and manage the customers that we were getting. All right, for those listening who have never tried Be Glam, can you tell us how the service works? Tell us the process. You know, I make a decision that this Saturday night I need my hair and makeup done. I'm going to an event. What would I do? So you can download our app on Android or iPhone, or you could call us or even email us with the request. You can go on our website, book your services. So there's there's a lot of points to entry here for booking a BeGlam service. You've made it easy for people. We've made it as easy as possible. The app would be something that's probably the easiest, the go-to. You download the app, and uh, there's a menu of services that you can book put in your time, your location, that's it. You just book your service, you put in your credit card, we don't charge you until after your appointment's complete. And with confidence, I can know that somebody will show up. Absolutely. And is do I get to choose who the person is, or is you it? You get to choose after you've had your first appointment with us, if you want the same provider. Um, we're actually working on building out our technology to where we'll have portfolios for each of our beauty pros so that you'll have the ability to select who you want based on their scope of work. Um, But for now, what we do is we connect you with the beauty pro that best matches your request. And you can type in notes if you're looking for a Hollywood waves or the Instagram beatdown makeup. Um, So you can actually put those notes in there. And we know every provider that works on our platform. And we've got almost a couple thousand at this point and I have put my personal stamp of approval on every single hairstylist. So I was gonna I was gonna ask you that they're vetted. They're vetted yeah in person we meet them on a couple of occasions we do an introductory phone interview with them and get to know them what kind of products they're using 
and what their outlook on customer service is and just kind of get a feel for what their personality is like, which is huge for us and for me. And you're personally approving every single person? So we've got recruiters that actually do um, the physical interviews. So our pros come in and they meet with our recruiters and they do a technical interview and they have to do a couple of hairstyles and a couple of makeup looks. And our recruiters fill out a rating card and take photos. They submit that through an online platform that we use. And a couple of times a week, I sit down for a few hours and I go through every single rating card and I approve or decline everybody that's um, interviewed with us. Wow. So the, it has to be at your standard. Yeah. That's really important. Uh, it's important to investors, that's for sure, to know that we've got high-quality providers. I think that's going to be important to anybody who uses your service because mm -hmm. that was the one thing that I wanted to know. If I use your service, like obviously I know and trust you, but if if you're vetting them and you're giving the stamp of approval, I think that's super meaningful. Yeah, yeah, and I and you know, there's always those one-off days that a, a provider might not be feeling their best and their delivery of services wasn't up to our standards and we'll hear about it from our clients and that doesn't go unheard we um, take action we chat with our providers we say like hey what happened here so we're really focused on their professional development as a freelancer you don't get that you don't get anybody telling you that you should have done a better job or this is what the client expected. What you might not get is that client returning to you. Right. But we're still open to giving them another shot and it's really something that I hold near and dear to my heart is that professional development. Yeah. And people are human. They make mistakes. Mm -hmm. They have off days and so it's important to understand that. I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to understand if you're you know, looking for someone to show up and you need things to be perfect. But I think you know, one of the things that I've noticed is when I went online and read reviews for Be Glammed, I mean, the reviews are amazing. People love, love your company. They love your brand. The experiences overall seem to be, you know, top notch and people have really great things to say. And that's Yay. not easy to do. Yeah. Especially when these providers are not employees of the brand and they're, they're still kind of on their own island, but we do what we can to reinforce that they are part of our family and part of our community. Yeah. You know, last night we went to uh, listen to a panel of entrepreneurs speak and one of the entrepreneurs who was there, um, he told us, and it really kind of stuck with me, that he gains a more loyal fan when he screws up and mm. how he fixes it mm -hmm. more than anything else he can do. Because if he reacts correctly and does the right thing, then people become diehard fans from that moment on. And I yeah. thought that was such a like great learning moment for me. Sometimes screwing up and how you deal with it is as important as you know the first interaction. Yeah, I, I believe that fully. I mean, we've had situations where our providers were extremely late and we've sent out flowers and cookies and did whatever we can to get that client back in our good graces. And although they won't book with that pr provider again, they were still willing to be loyal to the brand, which yeah. is great. Yeah, people were remember every touch point of your brand and how you deal with mistakes as well. So when you first started the company, how many people started with you? There were about four. I had a couple of consultants for marketing and business development, and my principal investor was also a managing member. He still also is a managing member. So there was about four of us to get it off the ground. Initially, there was two of us. And once the investors came on with their money, I was able to hire out some people. <laughs> so now you're, uh, you've grown to be in 28 cities. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have thousands of people that are either you know, working for you or indirectly or at the company, mm -hmm. which is, again, a huge accomplishment. Do you feel that everyone still is able to kind of feel your passion as 
as the company grows? I think there's no doubt about my passion in the workplace. And we work in an open office environment. And I just go, I'll sit next to my team members and we'll hash out ideas and strategy. And um, it's like as soon as we start talking about the vision and where we're headed and I just light up and I, like you said, just the energy is there. Um, I don't think there's anybody would ever doubt that I have passion and that that passion's never died. And it's contagious. I see my department heads with the same passion and they're not the, the visionary of the company. So it's, it's contagious and it's really good to see that we're five years, almost five years in and we still haven't lost that spark. All right, so you're five years in. What was the moment or explain the moment where you said to yourself, wow, this company is really going to take off. This is something that people want and need. I think there is a, a few moments. The first moment would be when the investor said, here's your check. And I about dropped on the floor was like, oh my gosh, this is validating what I wanted to do. So that absolutely was when I felt like, okay, this is real life. Like we're doing this. Um, and then once we finally launched, we had a client experience, a woman who was in a coma for 11 days and she, her husband didn't know if she she was going to ever wake up and she started to show vital signs and she was very particular about her hair and he called us sobbing saying can you please send a hairstylist to do her hair before she wakes up because she will kill me if she sees her hair and so we went in there and um it was really sad. Unfortunately, the nurses had neglected the room. I mean, it was 11 days of the husband just camping out there with his daughter in hopes that his wife was going to wake up. She wake, wakes up. Of course, she was upset with her hair. Thankfully, there was a hairstylist there to take care of her. But our hairstylist ended up staying there for a few hours and demanded that the nurses come in and clean the room and take care of everything that was happening that was being neglected. And the, hus the husband had called us back a couple days later, still sobbing and was just so thankful um, that we were there in this really important moment of his life. He thought he was going to lose his wife. That, to me, was validation, thinking like, okay, we're, this, this is so much bigger than just doing hair and makeup. Like, we're working with these clients on some of the most memorable and most important days of their lives, whether it's their wedding or they're up for a promotion and they want to look good. Or they're in the hospital. Or they're in the hospital, and you don't know if your, your, your spouse is going to wake up, but you know that she wants her hair done if she does. So that's another moment that I just felt like that we're on to something here like this is validation and then of course hearing the stories from our beauty providers who have been open to share with us that they're single moms and they're able to work with us when they can book themselves child care or they work a nine-to-five corporate job and be glammed as their creative outlet on the weekends those are things that keep me going and that's that continues to validate that what we're doing is is good and it's right and other people um, are loving it too. What powerful story that is about the, the hospital room. I mean, again, it kind of talks and speaks to your humbleness that one of your um, greatest moments of feeling success was what it means to other people. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So now that you have reached a certain level of success, and I know that there's so much more in store for Be Glammed and the growth of this company, tell us what kinds of things keep you up at night? Money. <laughs> we have revenue goals just like every other company does. And um, because we are a technology-based company, 
if something happens, if a glitch happens, if the server's down, our entire business will shut down, um, just like any other tech-based company. So things that keep me up at night are making sure that everything's still up and running properly and that we're hitting our revenue goals and that we're not overextending ourselves on budget and expenses. Um, but really what's important is, is making sure that everybody who is supporting my dream and my idea and on our team, that they also feel supported and valued and that they're not going anywhere and they're secure. Um, it's more personal for me because I'm the founder and this is my idea, but they don't, they don't have that obligation to the brand and they choose to show up every day. So it's always something that's in the back of my mind to make sure that my team feels valued and heard and I can sleep at night knowing that um, we've had a good day and that they still are going to show up to work tomorrow. <laughs> What's next for Be Glam? So we have some really exciting things in store for us. Um, we are pivoting more into the technology field. Um, I've always been kind of a nerd growing up and been into video games and I've taken computer classes since I was in the fourth grade, since I was about nine years old. So I'm so excited to now pivot my career and also the company into more of technology. So we're working on some very, very cool features in our app that will make our app more uh, interactive with our clients. Um, one of the big worries from new clients is what am I going to look like when I'm done? And a lot, a lot of times they'll show us photos of a celebrity that they love and the hair and makeup they want us to emulate. But it's hard to hit that mark with them when they don't look like that celebrity. Of course. So one of the things that we are planning to integrate is an AR, or augmented reality component, where you can upload a photo of yourself and play with hair and makeup on yourself in the app when you book the service your provider will actually get that photo of you and you've actually done your makeup digitally or your hair digitally and then they come in home to actually execute on you. So that's something I'm really excited about. I love my apps. I have so many of them that yeah. I do this already on yeah. and then I just thought like we should we should implement this with Be Glammed. It seems like such a seamless next step for you guys. That's so smart. I can't wait to see yeah, how that works. Yeah, that's exciting. Very That's cool. what I'm dreaming about. So all um, kept up at night on certain things. I also can't wait to go to sleep and dream about the new things coming out. <laughs> I can so relate. I oftentimes will walk into um, my hair or makeup salon and bring a picture of celebrity and, and say, can you make me look like her? And they're like, mm, yeah, not so much. But we'll do our best. Yes, exactly. We'll always do our best. But sometimes we're not doctors and we'll get the... <laughs> perfect photo of Kim Kardashian and then a woman who just really wants to look like that and the moment the makeup starts going on she realizes whoa this is too much or right. it's, it's you know so right. it's some looks work better on different people yeah and having the AR component allows the client more control of what they're going to look like that in the end so smart I love that idea so Miley, if you were going to give your younger self some pointers um, based on everything you've learned through your journey, what would those pointers be? So um, don't get stupid tattoos. I have a couple of them. <laughs> don't do that. Um, I would tell my younger self to have confidence and don't doubt your capabilities. Um, growing up uh, in a large family, my sisters were far more outspoken than I was. Um, and then going into a work environment and switching schools up as a kid, I just always was the quiet kid in class. Nowadays, you can't get me to shut up. Like, I've definitely come out of my shell. But I had a lack of confidence, and I was always intimidated going into a room. And so I would just tell my younger self, 
to own it and have confidence and people are going to love you for being you and don't undervalue that and undermine yourself and also know your value and and be able to advocate for yourself and it's really hard for people to advocate for themselves if they have any lack of confidence whatsoever so I have learned throughout my journey to know my value advocate for myself um, and also own it and have confidence. So that's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, you know, I, I've spoken to quite a few women who say that when they were younger, they were a bit um, introverted and, you know, kind of quiet. And now they've kind of found their voice. And so I think that's really important for people to hear also. Give us some actionable advice for those listening who may want to start a company as ambitious as yours. Okay, so first things first. Do you have an idea that is so compelling that people are going to buy into it? I think that's the that's the best place to start. Um, next is finding out everything and anything you can about who's already out there. What competitors are you up against? Um, what do your financial projections look like? Do you need to raise money? And if you need to raise money, what kind of money? Do you need venture capitalist funds? Are they angel investors or institutional money? Um, and really building out a solid business plan and a financial projection plan that is compelling enough to take to an investor who would be interested. So a lot of people have creative ideas on companies that they want to start, but they they don't realize that they have to partner with the right people that sometimes have to figure out the other side of the puzzle for them. And it's important to find those people and not to always think that you have to do everything yourself. It's okay to bring other people into the loop. Yeah, and we see that a lot with tech companies. We've, we see even with... Um, big mega brands out there who are completely tech-based, you have got one person who's the operator who has the vision but might not have the technology background, so they'll partner with a co-founder who has a technology and can lead the technology. So we actually see that happen often, and um, I'm not a one-man show, and I could never have done this without the support and help from people around me. Um, and so another piece of advice for entrepreneurs is have a circle of people around you that are smarter than you or at least know more about business than you do that you can learn from, whether they're involved in your business or not. Um, and then always have, it's almost like a group of advisors that you can go run to if you have questions, who can give you a non-biased response. What area of the business most excites you that's not your expertise? that you love to learn from? Uh, the technology part. And I've been developing a new app that we are launching in a few weeks. And I've learned how to do the UX and the UI design, um, all of the logic on the back end. A couple of days ago, my developer showed me how to do a little coding and how it changed something on the front end. And it was so exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really fun. It's a lot of work. I would never, ever claim to be a coder or a developer, but it's a lot of fun getting to know and understand that part of the business. But you're pushing yourself to really have a deep understanding of it. Yeah, and I think my developer likes that too because I'm invested in what he knows and he's having the opportunity to teach me as the CEO the things that he knows and he loves that he's passionate about. So it just creates like this ground for creativity to just breed in that area and then also for me to learn too. So I'm learning every aspect of the business. Wow, I think that's incredible that you are really, you know, taking time to learn other aspects of your business as well. All right. Well, I think you've answered all of my questions. I'm going to bring Morgan back now because I know she has a few questions for you. And before I sign off, I just want to thank you because, again, when I met you, I was 
so inspired by your energy and you sitting here today. I think I've teared up three times just listening to you talk just because, you know, it truly is um, people like you that do this for their passion and this idea of helping other people that become successful because you're, you know, you're doing it for selfless reasons. And so thank you for that. And I'm excited for you to um, inspire so many other women with this podcast. Thank thank you. you. That means a lot coming from you. I know you've got your big brand too. And it just, from one entrepreneur to another, I appreciate that. Thank thank you. you. All right. So Morgan, do you want to ask Miley a few questions? Yes, of course. How did you get people to find out about Be Glammed in the first place? So when you have a, a digital or tech company, you rely a lot on what's online and which is not always the best thing because with our brand, it's all experience-based. On the beauty side, because of my background in the industry, it was easier for me to attract new talent because the word spread like wildfire. We are one of the first beauty companies that allowed independent contractors to work when and where they wanted. Um, So that was probably the easier part. And we did spend some money on ads on recruiting platforms. But on the client side, we were doing everything from in-market events to engaging with PR agencies who would refer us to their clients. Um, A lot on the digital side, so Google AdWords, Bing AdWords, Facebook, um, and then now Instagram has ads as well. Um, But we drove a lot of attention through digital ads online. Um, And then getting involved in the events was huge for us. I mean, we were everywhere from New York Fashion Week to Coachella, Sundance Film Festival, and people were seeing us and then it was brand reinforcement when they saw us again and again. So probably that third time they heard about Be Glam, they were finally booking with us. Um, And then word of mouth is really powerful in the beauty industry, especially when you're getting some kind of personal service. Um, If you get married and you use Be Glammed, then the bride might refer us to their sister or cousin or friend who's getting married. And and then that just keeps going. And and as long as they have a great experience, they're happy to tout about it. So word of mouth has always been really powerful for us. Yeah, that's actually how I found out about Be Glammed is word of mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so my next question is, what has been the best thing that Be Glammed has brought to your life? It would be the experiences that I've shared with the people around me, both on the client side, people who've worked with me in at headquarters and our providers. And had I known that entrepreneurship would have been so fulfilling, I might have done it a lot sooner. Um, it is a lot of work, but it's something that you can't put a price tag on. It's experiences and moments that you have where you're doubting yourself and then you pull through and it's that feeling of success and gratitude. But all of those things would not be in my life had I not started Be Glammed. So I'm thankful to have Be Glammed and all of the people around me supporting it to continue growing more memories. That's amazing. Um, Okay, another one is, are you still actively working as a freelance artist? Absolutely. I was booked solid for Halloween. I can't tell you how many makeups I did. I don't get to do makeup as often. Although we do photo shoots to update our lookbooks and things like that. And so I do have some opportunities where I get to get out from behind my computer and be on set and work in the studio or work with independent clients. And I have a couple of my celebrity clients that I've held on to as well. 
Um, but I do still get to do makeup, and I don't think that I would have it any other way. I still need my creative outlet, um, even if it's just talking about makeup or writing about my favorite products and sharing it with our team. Um, I still need that creative outlet. So yes, I'm definitely still doing makeup. I love to hear that. That's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with me. I myself am a freelance artist that just moved out to LA. So hearing all the tips and tricks that you started with your business and how something that was just an idea grew into such an empire, I love to hear and share that with you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you again, Miley. And we are excited to see what's next for Be Glam. Yay.